There are millions of people groups around the world that have yet to hear the gospel. That's right. They've never even heard the name of Jesus mentioned. They're living in a darkness and don't know anything about the hope and love and the finished work we have in Christ Jesus. But it doesn't have to be that way. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 tells us, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Today, Pastor Banks starts a series that will help us reach these people groups and change their lives forever. All it takes is a willingness to learn and get started. So let's go as he shows us how easy it is to make a difference in the world through missions doable. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I said, good morning. <laughs> Glory be to God. Thank you so much. Welcome this morning to Global Outreach Church for All Nations in Lawrenceville, Georgia. I want to welcome all of you. Thank you so much for coming. And for those of you that are streaming online, we welcome you as well. We thank God for you. And we pray that something that God will say today will bless you so much so you'll be making your way to the doors next Sunday in Jesus' name. Glory be to God. Amen. All right, all right. We're going to continue what we started a few weeks back. And uh, for this installment this morning, I have a special help in the house. Glory to God. The only and the one and only beloved Dr. Bishop and Mrs. Bishop Adewi. <laughs> I think at the appropriate time, you're going to hear from him. So let's just go straight into the message this morning. Missions doable. I started this message a few weeks back. The first installment, I told us how that Christ in us is a hope of glory. The second week, I told us how I explained, I explained to us the task at hand. And last week, we talked about uh, uh, why should we attempt to finish the task, which really addresses the needs of the nations. And this morning, I want to talk to us about what must we do? What must we do in order to accomplish the task that God, gave, that God has given us. Remember, I told you, we know the outcome already. We know the outcome already. From Revelation chapter 7, we know that God is called people out of every tongue, every people, every tribe, and every nation. Praise God. Olu Badiale, you are welcome. That's just by the way. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> but anyway, praise God. So let's go to Ezekiel chapter 22. Why must, or what must we do to finish? Three things I'm going to share with us this morning. Three things I want us to see this morning on what we can and must do in order to finish the task. Number one, pray. Number one, pray. Everybody can pray. Amen? So in Ezekiel 22, verse 30, the Bible says, So I sought for a man among, from among them who will make a wall. And stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I 
found no one. Now, as you find out, as we go further in this message, God is not destroying anybody anymore. Just, let me just put that out there. Amen? But the point that this scripture is making, God is looking for intercessors, men and women who will stand in the gap. Now, it's very interesting to see that when God gave Abraham the promises in Genesis chapter 12, which we read here, I'll make of you a great nation. I'll make of uh, your name great. I will bless you. I'll bless them that bless you. I'll cause those who bless you, who causes you. When he made the pronouncement of those promises to Abraham, it's very interesting to know that the first thing Abraham understood or attempted to do once God pronounced those blessings upon him is to stand in the gap. Genesis chapter 18. Let's go there from verse 17. Genesis 18 from verse 17. This is God speaking. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Why is God not going to, to hide it? God has already given Abraham the custodian or the authority over the families of the earth. Are you guys following me this morning? In Genesis 12, 3, he said to Abraham, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So every family on the face of the earth came under the custody of Abraham at that point. And so now, as God was making his way to Sodom, he said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Why? Because now I'm about to go into Abraham's territory. And therefore, I don't want to hide from him what I'm doing. Let's read on verse 18. Since Abraham, you see that? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Oh my goodness, I wish I had an hour to just explain this verse. God had to go speak to his friend Abraham. Because God said, you know what? I've given Abraham the nations of the earth. Therefore, I can't do anything. I will not do anything in these nations except I talk to Abraham about it. Verse 19. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to pass, may bring, up, may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Let's jump to verse 23. Verse 23. Now, this is Abraham's response to what God is saying. This is how Abraham understood what God was saying to him. In verse 23, And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? God is talking to Abraham. Abraham is talking to God. In other words, he's interceding. God, you're about to go to Sodom. You've given me all the nations of the earth. So now... I feel the responsibility for these nations, and therefore, God, let's have a talk. And he says to God, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Verse 24. Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and spare it for the 50 righteous that are in it? God responds, far be it from you to do such a thing. Oh, this is Abraham still talking. To slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked, be it far from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? I mean, can you imagine the audacity? 
Now, we, we, we talk about the audacity here, but, but you must understand you, you carry the same authority. He's speaking to God on the basis of the authority God has conferred upon him. And he's saying to God, God, would you actually do this? If we find 50 people there, would you not withhold your judgment? Verse 26. So the Lord said, if I find, find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Oh, my God. And then he goes down to 45. He negotiates down to 40. He negotiates down to 30. He negotiates down to 20. He negotiates down to 10. And each time God was considering, was considering, he was considering, I will not do it. I will not do it. I will not. Why? Why was God considering? Because somebody stood in the gap. Because someone was willing to say, God, don't do it. And God was willing. But unfortunately, Abraham does not, does not have the revelation you and I have now. He stopped at 10. If Abraham simply said to God, Let's give it more time. Don't do it now. What do you think God would have done? Well, well considered. That's why for you and I, we must pray. Amen. Jesus said, man ought to always pray and not offend. In fact, in Mark, Mark chapter 11, let's go there, Mark chapter 11, verse 22. This is Dr. Kenneth Hagin's favorite scripture back in those days. Yeah. <laughs> Mark eleven twenty two. So Jesus has heard and said to them, have faith in God. Look at verse 23. For assuredly or certainly, I said to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Amen. That's an assurance. So as we look at these nations from what we saw last week, the needs are huge, but we should not be overwhelmed by the hugeness of the task. Rather, we should take our place and say, you know what, I am going to pray. Scripture says in Psalms 2 verse 8, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, the ends of the earth for thy possession. So someone will say to me, okay, why do we need to ask? Why do we need to pray? Why? Why do we need to pray? We are praying because we are agreeing with what heaven's agenda. Now, let me, let me, let me help us understand certain things about these nations. Uh, I was speaking in the place yesterday, and I was telling them how when 9-11 hit in America, back then, 9-11, in New York and Washington, many of us, including me, we just immediately said, God's judgment has come upon America. I'm, I'm sure some of you felt the same way. You may, you may not say it, but that's fine. But I said it. But that's total, that, that's nothing could be further from the truth. God is not judging nations today. Okay, I don't know if I'm speaking to the right crowd here. God is not judging nations today. John 3.16 makes it clear, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. And then verse 17 says, he did not come to condemn the world, 
Now, first of all, if he loves the world, why would he want to kill them? Is, is there any parent here that will go home to their private service and go and kill your child? Let me see your hand. Oh, you will not do that? And then we think that God is doing that to his own, to, to his, to his own creation? No. No. We are not praying because they are so bad that God cannot help them. No, that's not the reason we're praying. God loves them. God is not condemning them. In fact, it's even worse than that. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18, makes it clear that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. You know what the word reconcile means? Making a peace. It was, in the, it was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. And then he goes on to say, in case some of us will argue, he said, not imputing their trespasses unto them. In other words, God is not counting the sins of America, the sins of Las Vegas, the sins of New, uh, New Orleans, the sins of India, the sins of Bangladesh, and on and on. He's not counting against them. Why? Because Jesus took care of them 2,000 years ago. They just don't know it. No. Their sins are taken care of. They just don't know. So if that's the case, why are they not responding to God? Why do we need to pray? We pray because they've been blinded by the gods of this world. We pray, according to 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that they, because they've been blinded by the gods of this world. Principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, the rulers of the darkness of this world has blinded them and told them lies about themselves. So when we pray, we pray Mark eleven twenty three. We are speaking of the mountains of those principalities. We are speaking of the mountains of those powers. We are telling them in the authority of the name of Jesus to be removed so that the eyes of the understanding can be enlightened so they can see how much God loves them. Yeah, they've been lied to. That's the problem. So our prayer is to help bring them into alignment with the mind and purpose of God for their, for their lives. And so here in this community, in this Jesus community, every Monday night we pray. We've been doing that for years. Every Monday night at 7 o'clock. So if you want to participate in that, because that's one area in which you can become a part of finishing the task, you can talk to Sister Lola after the service, or you can find Revelation Walker and talk to them. We pray every morning at 7 o'clock. Amen? So what's the first point? Pray. Let's say that again. First point is what? Pray. pray. Secondly, what must we do to finish the task? Second thing we can do is go. In John 20, 21, Jesus said, as, I've, as, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Let's go, let's go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Verses, verse 5, and then I'm going to jump to verse 14. Romans chapter 1. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for the obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. That is a load for. You see what the apostle is saying here? Through him, who's him? Jesus. He said to us, through Jesus he's received grace and apostleship. Why, Paul? Why did God give you grace? Why did he make you an apostle? He tells us. For the obedience to the faith among all nations for his name's sake. So why do you have grace this morning? Why? Why do you have grace? 
Why has God called you and blessed you? Why has he prospered you? Why has he given it wisdom? Why has he given you creativity? Why has he given, why has he given you all the things he's given you? I pray that God will help me and you to fully understand that everything God does is for a reason. He, God, has a vested interest in the blessings he has created and given to you. Paul says it here. My goodness. When, when God called Moses, remember that in Exodus chapter 3? Moses is a big figure in Jewish history. Big figure, big character in the Bible. Done great things for God. But when you go back and see the origin of his call, God made it clear that Moses, I'm calling you. Why? Because of the cries of my people. Man, I need a drum here so I can beat it. In other words, the anointing upon you and I is for a particular people. It's for a particular purpose. The grace of God upon us, the anointing of God upon us is beyond us. Yes, it blesses us. It does things for us. But beyond and above that, God is giving this grace and this unction, this anointing, this blessing to us so that all that can benefit. We have to see that. In Luke 4, Jesus went to the temple, opened the scriptures. What did he say? He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me to do what? To preach to the poor. Oh, Jesus gets the anointing. For what? To preach to the poor. Was he poor? No. No. Recovery of sight to the blind. Was he blind? No. But he's telling us that he received something for those people. I, I just want us to to, to as we thank God for what he's done and what he's doing in our lives, to also take account, to understand that there's a reason and it's, there's something God is looking to accomplish. That's what Paul is saying here in Romans 1.5. Now look at verse 14 and 15. Thank you. As a result of what he just told us, they receive the grace and apostleship for the obedience of the faith to all nations. Verse 14 says, I'm a debtor good God Almighty, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to unwise. In other words, as a result of what God has given me, I'm now obligated to deliver that that I've received to those for which God prepared them. Now, we used to run around preaching that everybody should get out of debt. And it's, it's good to know, be a debtor. It's good to know owe money. But give me Romans 13, 8. Because we've took that scripture out of the context of what Paul began to say. And I've said this and I'll keep on saying this, don't read scriptures out of context. You will not get the correct meaning that God intended when you do so. Amen. Romans 13, 8. I've been in some of those prosperity meetings. When the preacher would say, Oh, no man, nothing. Just so a seed of $10,000, so you can owe no man nothing. Well, I'm paying off his bill. I, I, don't, I don't know who's going to pay mine off. <laughs> he says, Oh, no man, nothing. Except to love one another. 
For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Remember, you can't take this out of context. Don't rush out of here and say, I need to go pay, pay off MasterCard, Visa, American Express, my mortgage, my car note. No, it's good to not owe those guys. Yeah. It's good not to owe them. But that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying you received something. You became a debtor as a result of the grace of God upon your life. God gave you a package for these people. And as long as you keep the package, you owe. You not only owe God who gave it to you, you owe the people who's waiting to receive it. Back in the days, we call it double cantab. You're in trouble. In the sense that you owe God and you owe them. So that's what he say, owe no man nothing. Don't owe God who gave it, and don't owe those who are waiting to receive what you have been given. Owe no man nothing. Now, give me Romans 15, verse 20, to see how God, Paul worked this out in his own life. Number one, we pray. Number two, we go. Romans 15, 20. And so... I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, thank God, not where Christ was named, lest I should be building on another man's foundation. Verse 21, but as it is written, to whom it was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. Amen? So that's how Paul lived it out. He got something. He understood the implication of it, and he lived it out by making sure he spread the good message. Amen? Now, when we say go, sometimes it becomes so overwhelming that people are saying, where do I even start? We just went through a pandemic where everything was locked down, and in that same season, God was really helping us to reshape how we do church and do ministry. One of the areas that I want to highlight this morning ongoing is what I call the Digital Nomads Program. Digital Nomads Program. Can you give me the slide? Digital Nomads. It's a very common term now, especially among the millennials. What is a digital nomad? Many nations across the world now is given special visas to people who want to live there in those countries and work remotely. So in other words, back in the day, in order to go to Saudi Arabia or to Kuwait or to Croatia, uh, to some of these nations to work, you have to go through all kinds of hoops to get a visa. But now, the world is becoming a global village very quickly. And they are recognizing that by, by opening these opportunities, people can come to their country and live there, help their economy, but at the same time, they don't have the visa limitations they used to have. So we have this thing called digital nomads. There are, many, there are about 50 nations right now where these visas are available. In other words, you don't have to wait till you raise support to go anywhere. You can just pack your bag, go to Bora Bora, Bali in Indonesia, right now as I speak. Bali, Indonesia. That sounds very, it's almost like going to Hawaii. Bali, Indonesia, right now. Pack your bags and move there, and you still keep your job, getting paid in US dollars, but at the same time, have the opportunity 
to mingle. Have the opportunity to carry the glory of God inside of you, ministering on a day-to-day -day basis with the people you have. Incredible. We, that was not available five years ago. So God is making sure opportunities are coming up to make it easier for us to get the job done. Amen? Give me the next slide. This is very important, this B part. Still talking about going. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus called his disciples and told them to go. He sent them out. You can read that in Matthew chapter 10. And amazingly to me, in Matthew chapter 11, let's go there, 11, Matthew 11 verses 1 and 2. Let's go there. Now it came to pass, when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples, in other words, he sent them out. Immediately after they went, the Bible says that he, Jesus, departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Glory to God. What's the implication? When you and I step out in trusting God, wherever he sends us, the vacuum you left, Jesus steps in there. Hallelujah. When you step out away from home, away from your base, away from all the things you are familiar with, and you are concerned, oh God, how will I, how, how, how will I take care of my wife, my children, my this, my that? Jesus said, I got, it, I got you covered. I got your back. Because when you left, I moved in. Amen. What's the implication? The things that keep your eyes sleepless at night, the things for which you don't have peace, Jesus is saying you are one act of obedience away from that peace being restored to you. Because what? When you go for him, he comes in for you. Powerful concept. Powerful concept. Powerful concept. And then lastly, lastly, because I've got to move on here. Lastly, uh, give me the six like very quickly. Thank you, Jesus. It's important for me as we take this message to distinguish between the various aspects of going. There are times when we go and it's strictly a missions trip. There are other times when we go when it's an international ministry trip. Big difference. And big, the, the, the simplest way for me to explain this is like if you have Uncle Joe coming over for Thanksgiving for three days. When Uncle Joe comes for Thanksgiving for three days, what happens? You roll out the red carpet, you tolerate Uncle Joe for three days, because he's only going to be there for, he arrives on Thursday, he's leaving on Sunday. You are looking at your clock. Uncle Joe is here. I'll fix his dinner. I'll lay his bed. I'll take him shopping. Whatever Uncle Joe wants in three days, you're willing to do so. When Uncle Joe expires after three days, if he stays longer than three days, you are pacing the floor, wondering when is he going to leave? What has happened? International ministry trip is like when Uncle Joe comes for three days. Your host nation rolls out the carpet to welcome and receive you. They know you're only there for four days, five days. They can tolerate you for that long. Especially if you're an American. Because America will bring all kinds of, I mean, the demands is serious. Okay? But on a mission trip, it has a longer mindset built into it. And by that I mean, if Uncle Joe was relocating from Chicago to Atlanta and coming to live with you, the 
everything changes. Uncle, Uncle Joe now is a part of the family, and therefore, he will not be entitled to all the special privileges of a short-term stay. Yesterday and I and some other people left, went to Brazil years ago on mission trip. It, it didn't matter whether I'm a senior pastor, junior pastor, apostle, junior evangelist. We all slept on a bunk bed. <laughs> oh, yeah. We all slept on a bunk bed. We used toilets where we cannot flush. I, I can't, let, don't let me go into all the details. Don't let me go there. Years ago, we went to Cote d'Ivoire, myself and Jamal, because we slept on the floor. Bare floor, concrete. No toilet in the room. At night, you want to use the toilet, you cross the graveyard. There's a fact. So when we wake up at 2 a.m., you need to use the toilet, you hold it. <laughs> but the point I'm making is, you recognize it's a mission strip, and therefore there are no thrills, there are no uh, uh, comfort creatures involved. It's important to understand that, those distinctions, okay? All right, let's move on. So number one, we pray. Number two, we go. Number three. Number three. Praise God. We give and or send. This is huge. The challenge of mission funding, huge. For every one dollar of Christian giving, and I'm talking about universally in the United States, for every one dollar of Christian giving to all causes, how much do you think goes to church planting among the unrich peoples? I'll save you the trouble. Let me tell you. Less than a penny. Less than one penny of every one dollar that's given to churches all across this nation. What does that tell you? It tells you that we are not prioritizing finishing the task. Now, thanks to you, our Go Church, thanks, thanks, thanks to you, I can say to you that in this house, at least we devote and spend 15% out of the dollar. 15%. Okay, let, let, maybe, maybe you don't understand percentage. 15 cents. At a very dollar. <laughs> Compared to the average church, we are less than a penny. Now, it will be my delight and my pleasure to up that 15 to about 20 cents. Because the truth of the matter is, if we are going to get this job done, we have to prioritize it. We have to prioritize it. Let me go to a couple of scriptures. Let me go to a couple of scriptures. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, in verse 18, the Bible says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which is where to your fathers as it is this day. So God is reminding us, listen, I'm the one that's creating wealth for you. And I'm doing it for a reason. The wealth I'm creating in and through you is for a purpose. It has an, it, it, it's identified for a purpose. What purpose? To establish the covenant he gave to the fathers. The one he gave to Abraham. Where he says to him, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, 
Okay, let me leave that other scripture. Let me now go to Deuteronomy chapter 33. I mentioned this in passing a couple of weeks ago, but I want to emphasize it now. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verses 18 and 19. Thank you. This is Moses in his departure, giving a speech, or if you will, exhorting the Israelites. And he's calling them by name, by tribe, God, Judah, on and on and on and on and on. He's giving prophecies to them. In verse 18, he says something that was very interesting. And of Zebulon, he said, rejoice, Zebulon, in your going out. And Ishakar in your tents. Prior to this time, he was calling them all by name singularly. But when he got to Zebulon, he lumped Zebulon and Ishakar together. And if you go read in Matthew chapter 4, you see that Zebulon was a city or a Jewish city that's right there by the seaside. So the implication is Zebulon is the vehicle through the Israelites were to go out and carry the glory of God and the name of God all around the surrounding, region, the surrounding regions. So Moses said here, Zebulon, rejoice in your going out. Issachar, ditto, rejoice in your tents. Verse 19. They, plural, so now he's speaking of Zebulun and Ishaka. They shall call the peoples to the mountain. What's the implication of that? Mountain, at this time, in the scripture, is referring to a place where God's presence dwells. You're familiar with Mount Zion, Mount Sinai, Mount Calvary, Mount Hermon. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. You're familiar with all those scriptures. So here it says, they shall call the people to the mountains. In other words, I'm going to, you're going to see the partnership of Zebulun and Issachar. Based on what they're both doing, calling the people to the mountain, to where God is. What happens there? There at the mountain, they shall offer sacrifices of righteousness. For they shall partake, oh my God. They will offer sacrifices of righteousness. In other words, they are going to make it possible for others to partake and experience what Israel is already getting. For their participation. For their obedience. Look at the next sentence. They, Zebulun and Ishaka, shall partake of the abundance of the seas and of the treasures hidden in the sand. Okay, Pastor, all that grammar, what do you mean? What are you saying? I'm glad you asked. When some of us go out, we represent Zebulon. But Zebulon cannot get it done without Ishaka. When Zebulon is out getting the job done, Zebulon needs the Ishakas to dwell in the tents, to keep the tents, to keep the supply. To make sure that whatever Zebulon needs is being passed on. Maybe through prayer, maybe through your giving, maybe through your sending. It's the combination of the participation of both Zebulon and Ishaka that calls the people to the mountains. And thank God, God said as a result of both of us, Zebulon and Ishaka, participating, we collectively will partake of the abundance of the seas and of the treasures 
hidden in the sand. And I declare to you this afternoon, in the name of Jesus, as a result of your obedience, as a result of your heeding to the word of God, you will partake of the abundance of the seas. The seas will give it up for you to the glory of God. And of the hidden treasures of the earth, treasures that are there that has not been discovered, you will discover them to the glory of God. In the name of Jesus. That's a promise from God, folks. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that should repent. Has he not said it? Will you not do it? He will make it come to pass. Glory be to God. Now, Brother Sam, do you have that video for me now? Please. Just to show you guys that when we go out there, we're not playing. Oh, okay. This is a report from a, non from a nation that I cannot mention in them. Amen. That's a partner church in the nation that I'm not mentioning. This was the place, the last time we were there, that Pastor Ibeke preached at their deliverance rehabilitation center. Powerful message. The pastor himself, Pastor Chong, used to be a drug addict. So bad that he had to spend some time in jail. The gospel delivered him while he was in jail. And he came out of jail to build a ministry around the drug culture. As of the last time we were there, he had 24 centers, all drug centers, all over the country. And we'll bring these addicts to the center, and with nothing more than scriptures and prayer, have a 90%, I think he said, Bishop, was it 90%? 99. 99%, I'm sorry. 99% success rate. No medication, scriptures, and prayer. Yeah. Delivered those addicts. Yeah. And once, <laughs> amen. And once they were delivered, he planted churches with them. So all the churches were filled with people, BC, drug addicts. 
on fire for God. Even in a nation that was, even in a nation where the gospel was limited access, the police department came and said, what are you doing? How are you doing this? They gave him all kinds of awards, all over the world. So listen, we need your help. Help us. In talking to him, he said to me, your church, we, you, go church, were the only ones that participated with him in supporting and to strengthen his hand. Yes. So I'm, yeah, I'm sharing this with you because I want you to know this result you are looking at. When you get to heaven, <laughs> many of these guys that you've never seen, they're just going to come and hug you. Thank you so much for helping bring the gospel here, helping to facilitate what got me to heaven. Folks, I keep on telling you guys, this is a small platform, but we have a megaphone that reaches nations because of your commitment and because of your devotion and because of your giving. Amen? Now, let me say this. Let me say this, and I'm close now. I'm done. Let me just say this. I want us to honor the Lord with our substance and with the first fruits of our increase. But let me just say this. I don't want us to be a church that responds emotionally. Hear me, please. Hear me. I thank God for our missions given, and we must continue to, continue to do so. But I don't want you to hear a missions message or a missions, uh, what, see a missions video, and then you give out of a knee-jerk reaction emotionally to missions, and you abandon the house. Hey, listen, let Papa talk to you this morning. In the past, what happens when we show these videos like this? The offerings become lopsided. Missions get a bucket. Pastor Larry's house get a, a thimble. We don't want to do that. You don't want to go to McDonald's and go and pay Burger King. Did you guys get, did you get, you get that analogy? That's not right. You can't go to McDonald's and pick up the and then you say, McDonald's, I won't pay you. I'll go. We need to support the house. We need to do both. It's not an either or preposition. God never intended for it to be so. God wanted us to support our house, let the house look good, have the facilities we need, everything we need to minister to our children, to the pantry, everything he's given us to do, to have sufficiency to do that. And at the same time, because it's empowered us and blessed us so much, you say, Papa, thank you so much for giving us the privilege to bless your house, and at the same time, those that have never heard anything. Nehemiah says, send portions to whom nothing has been prepared. So it's not an either or preposition, and I want to challenge us this morning. Let's change the mindset. There are many of us that rob Peter to pay Paul. I don't want us to do, that, to do that. I want us to believe God and trust God that God, we're going to support your house and we're going to support your mission. We can do both to the glory of God. Hallelujah! So let's honor God this morning. Let's worship him. Let's give. Is Diola still here? You guys come up here. Give me some sweet psalmist. Give me something. <laughs> just give me something. Praise God. Amen. Let's just honor God. Let's just bless God for the incredible time in which we're living in. Give for the opportunities given us. Amen. So, yeah, that's how you give. Text to give. Cash up. Online. Checks are good.
cash is also still king. And uh, glory be to God. Let's just do it. Let's just, let's just bless God this morning. Let's bless him. Give myself away. Let's bless God this morning. 